Welcome to Constructed Futures. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Franco Giquinto, CEO of Ipsum. Franco, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Hugh. Pleasure to be here. Well, let's start with what Ipsum does. For sure. So at Ipsum, we, we created a software called ProPlanner, and it's a scheduling and planning software for general contractors. So they can go through the process of scheduling the master plan of their projects and then do short-term planning, you know, look at weekly work plans, all that stuff in a very collaborative platform that makes the process way more efficient and more communicative for everyone in the process. And you obviously did this because you saw a need in the market. How did you see the need? What was it about your career or the, the, the team's experience that made you say, I don't think scheduling is good enough? Not so, not so much my experience in the industry, to be honest. Uh, Pro Planner was a, like a spinoff of a previous product that I was building, a startup. And as I got more into construction and got the opportunity to be on the job site and understand what was happening, what the people do on, on an every day on the job site, I realized that planning and that part of the project was very old school and everything was done on like spreadsheets or legacy software. So I just thought there was a big opportunity there to disrupt the industry a little bit. The construction industry has three main factors, schedule, quality, and cost. So I think trying to reshape one of those three is a very important thing for the industry. And then the challenge got interesting. The challenge got bigger. Obviously, you fall in love with the challenge and solving this problem. And yeah, man, it's been a fun ride ever since. And you guys have grown this product outside of the U.S. as well as in, right? So this is not something that you just thought of last weekend, but you've actually been kind of growing this. And as you just mentioned, there's been a journey of making it better and better and growing it over time. Talk a little bit about, about the journey. Yeah, sure. So actually we started outside of the US. So this company started in Latin America and was a big challenge a few years back. Very few companies were actually innovating or implementing software or even working with startups. In Latin America, you didn't see many construction tech startups, to be honest. So it was very challenging from day one. Companies weren't adopting new software. They were comfortable with their P6, MS Project, Excel, and legacy ERPs that they were using. So it was a challenge to get them to understand that technology is moving fast and construction needs to get on board and start using new software, new apps, things that are integrated with each other. Um, so yeah, the first years were rough to say the least, but then as we kept growing and you start seeing that at least the early adopters, they start reading what companies were doing in the US or in Australia or in the UK, and they started seeing all these new companies or bigger companies like Procore, Aconnects or PlanGrid making their way in the industry, growing, getting acquired and things. So I think the company started to see, started to see that there's definitely something coming in terms of technology. So we started getting a little bit more notice from companies in other countries in Latin America, in Peru, in Mexico, in Colombia, obviously all early adopters of the industry. And then after the pandemic, we decided to change our focus and bring the company to the U.S. We saw an opportunity here, a huge market, big segments that weren't very addressed, like the mid-market or bees. And companies here are adopting way more technology. They're more open to startups, to new software, new apps. Uh, there's a lot more capital. So we decided to flip everything we're doing, focus on the U.S., still servicing our customers in Latin America, but just bringing the company here, that was the main decision. And I think it was the right decision. We're getting really good traction in the U.S. And, and the product that we've built is just a no-brainer for so many general contracts. It's been a crazy journey, not always fun. 
but um, but I think we move in the right way. We move fast, and yeah, man, we're starting to see the the fruit of everything that we've we've been building. And so, said another way, you guys came to the U.S. with a pretty mature product that had had the tires kicked and some of the wrinkles kinked out um, in another market. So when you came here, it's a, a pretty mature product, right? Uh, yes and no. So it is true that we had previous experience. So we got to polish a lot of things and hit our heads against the wall many times and figure out what works and what doesn't work. But uh, we did build the product from scratch before coming to the US. So it was like literally starting a new company. It was similar value of product, but it had some things that were different, right? So the industry in the U.S. works a little bit different than the construction industry in Latin America. So we had to figure out a lot of new elements of collaboration, especially with trades and things like that. So I wouldn't say that we had a super mature product when we started addressing the U.S. market. But as of 2021, we started improving our product a lot with feedback, with first users, first pilots. And now I would say that we do have a pretty mature product and super advanced and it's growing very fast. Like every two weeks, every month, we're launching new things, new tools, new features. So today I can say that it's a mature product, but when we started addressing the US, not so sure about that, to be honest. Yeah, that's really interesting. It isn't often that you get to talk to people who have launched and and gotten product market fit in two markets. Talk a little bit about, about some areas where, you know, Latin America and Chile is a, is a center of where you are. I know you're in a lot of different countries, right? But, but how, how does construction work differently? I mean, it's a huge question, but so, so answer it any way you want. But how is construction different in some of these other markets than how it is in the U.S.? That's a good question. So from an operational standpoint, if you look at construction companies in Latin America in general, they're the ones that do most of the projects. So a construction company would build... 60, 70, 80% of a project, and the remaining 20% is done by specialty contractors. Whereas in the US, the general contractor is the one coordinating everything, but most of the work is done by the trades. So that's a big difference. That's a big difference because you have a lot of things that you have to take in consideration when you have a collaborative software for scheduling and planning processes. Who's going to lead this? Who's going to own the schedule? Who's going to be available to impact the schedule or work on their activities? So that changed a lot in the perspective of Latin American companies versus U.S. companies. Uh, But we already knew that beforehand. So it wasn't that much of a challenge. Uh, And then other ways, I would say... If you look at companies here in the U.S., usually they have like a main PM platform, usually, right? Most of the cases, either they're using a Procore or they're using a BIM 360 or some kind of software as a base where they manage documents, RFIs, the drawings, things like that. In Latin America, it's not the case. You see a lot of like in-home built software, which are terrible, to be super honest. You see few companies adopting the traditional Procore BIM360 platforms today, more than before. But three, four, five years ago, you didn't see any company adopting Procore, A-Connects, or any of those. So it is a challenge when you want to bring a platform that also leverage integrations with other tools so you can bring data and push data. So I think that's different also. Uh, you don't see many people involved in innovation or technology. Like, I don't know, if you go to the GC here, sometimes you see construction technologist from the company or chief innovation officer. And in Latin America, you don't see that a lot. There are companies, yes, 
but you can count them with your fingers. There's that many. So that is also a challenge because you don't have anyone to address challenges. You don't have anyone that is like, oh, do you have an API? Can we connect this to our uh, other tools or to our Power BI dashboard or whatever? So that was a challenge as well. No one was like, oh, a software. We know exactly what to do, how many licenses to get, how to share it throughout the company, how to provide training, things like that. So you have to figure out on your own how to do that. Whereas so in here, you have people that can help you with that process, right? Yeah, that's so interesting. So you had to be vertically integrated too, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, here, you're, you're right. There's an infrastructure that you can, you can speak to. Exactly. Not always, but in a lot of the cases. And at least they've heard of other startups or, or they implemented some other product before. Like, oh, they, they work with Fieldwire or PlanGrid or Structure Insight or OpenSpace. So they know how to work with these startups. Back home, that wasn't the case. There weren't any startup to, to work with in construction, right? If you see other industries, there's a lot. But in construction, barely, barely a few. So that was a big difference. I would say those are the main challenges. Oh, really interesting. So I want to key off something you mentioned earlier, which is that, that when you are going to market, it sounds like you're, you're open to and pursuing mid-market and smaller contractors as well as, as the larger ones. Talk to me a little bit about how you guys go to market. Like, what, Who do you focus on as customers? Sure. So in the U.S. industry, as you know, you have the smaller players, the mid-market, which is pretty wide in range. And then you have the big players, the big billion dollar companies. Most of the startups, if you look at the majority of startups, most of them or the, a lot of them are approaching the big players. They want to close the top 100 ENR contractors. And there's very few companies focusing on the mid-market or the smaller contractors. We see that as a big opportunity. We see that as a part of the market that is underserved. And especially the, the mid and small market that they have hundreds of thousands of companies. So if you look at the majority of the volume in the U.S., it's built by small and medium contractors, not by the big players uh, in terms of volume, right? So it's just a big part of the market that also needs new tools. And what we do is such a big value to those companies because they can save a lot of money, they can coordinate things better, they can avoid having three pieces of software or having siloed information, and it's huge for them, right? Because sometimes you go to the top 10 ENR contractor and they have data scientists and they have a whole team you know, connecting platforms and building their APIs, and it's like, okay, they can pretty much figure it out. Or for them spending $200,000, $300,000 on software a year, it's not a big deal. But the company that's doing $100 million a year, they can't afford to pay that, that kind of money, right? So they're looking for platforms that are affordable, that have a pricing that makes sense, and also help them be more efficient and coordinate the teams and integrate with the platforms that they're using. So that's where we see a big value from our value proposition to those type of companies. And we also want to level the court a little bit. So helping SMBs become more efficient, it's a nice challenge, right? It's thing that... It's attractive to all of us and the team to make the industry better. And when you go to those folks and approach them, how do you get in and what's the pitch? Obviously, there's value in what you're doing, but a lot of times I'm assuming you're replacing Excel more often than people would want to admit. How do you, how do you go in and say, you should do this? So the typical use case 
like literally when you talk to all these companies, if you understand what's a typical use case, they're using Microsoft project, simple software. They, they like it because it's simple um, to build the master schedule, right? The, the, the contractual document that they have and they share with the owner, blah, blah. And then when you talk to people on the job side, they're, yeah, you're right. They're usually using Excel sheets or whiteboards or sometimes some sticky notes or something. That's the majority of cases. Um, so in that perspective, you talk to these companies and you're like, okay, you can stop using this MS project or stop spending money on P6 or project licenses. And you can also get rid of those spreadsheets that you're using and those whiteboards and all that stuff and do everything in one platform that you can add all of your team in the office on the job site. You can even add your owner if you want to get them access. <clears throat> so there's this opportunity of eliminating silos of information, making things fit into one verticalized platform that everyone's connected to. Everyone knows the truth. Everyone knows what's the latest schedule, what change up to you know the last hour. So they see a big value there. And how do we approach these companies? It's like, look, you can make this process way more efficient, involve everyone in the process, give a little bit more strength to the job site team so they can own the schedule. Right, and not just receive a schedule from a scheduler and be like, okay, this is what we have to do. Uh, and you can save a ton of money on licenses and, and you can have your younger team join to a web-based platform that they're going to like way more and they're going to enjoy using it instead of the old clunky softwares that are not very fun to use. Uh, so that's kind of the proposition, like get rid of all these three different points of information, transform it into one, save money, have everyone on board web base and also have a nice dashboard in your office so you can track progress, completion, performance of all of your projects and have information up to the last minute. So it kind of makes sense. And it's not such a game changer in terms of like, oh, we have to invest like a million dollars a year. It's not. It's not. They actually save money when they move from whatever they're doing to our software. That's great. And one of the things that you, you just talked about in terms of owning the schedule outside of just a central group relates to lean construction, which is, I'm just looking through some of your materials and talk a little bit about how you guys think about lean construction and maybe a little bit about how it, how it reflects in your product. Yeah, happy to. So from day one, ever since we built this platform, the focus was to build like a lean construction focus uh, scheduling planning tool. Like that was always the focus because we understand the methodology. We know that it brings a lot of value. We know that companies that are working with lean, like properly, they have better results than companies that are not. And that's just proven by data, by a lot of information. So we are big fans and proponents of the lean construction methodology. However, as we started entering the U.S. and meeting with tons of companies, you see that lean is not massively adopted in the U.S., especially not in the mid-market. So we kind of had to figure out a way of, okay, we want to support lean construction methodologies within the platform, especially last planner system, right? Obviously, we want to expand that, but first of all, the, the last planner system. But we, we don't want to like close it up to lean because then every other company that wants to improve their scheduling and planning efforts, but they're not lean, they're like, oh, it's a lean platform. Yeah, like we're not lean, so... We're going to pass. So it's a weird combination because companies love lean and they're implementing it. And we're like, yes, you can definitely, we, we support the last planner process within our platform. So you can manage roadblocks. You can do look aheads. You can do weekly work plans. Like you can do every step, every step of the way. And companies that are not lean, we just like to keep it simple. 
like we don't mention the lean process. We don't talk lean lingo. We just try to keep it very simple. It's like here you have a module to be your schedule. Here you have another module to do your lookaheads, which even companies that are not lean are working with lookaheads. Right. And then a weekly work plan that also everyone understands. And we also talk about the roadblock management. Like, by the way, if you have anything you need for these activities, you can you can use this you know module to to track any potential roadblock that you might have. So we wanna we wanna bring lean to the industry as much as we can, but we also want to keep it open for companies that are not lean and get a little spooked by the lean lingo. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a tough place to be, yeah. but we definitely wanna wanna bring value to a broader audience and not so not only the lean the lean company which is the case for other startups that you see out there that are like oh lean collaboration platform but if the company's not lean they're not able to use your product so we didn't want to do that yeah you got to be careful you're right about hitching your wagon too much to something like lean because it's uneven even exactly. within a company there may, there's going to be project teams that that are more adhering to it and other ones that maybe are less so Hundred um, percent. We see that even in a company, like you said, projects that are very lean driven and projects that don't even want to mention lean. So, if we close it to only lean companies, then we are we're shooting ourselves in the foot, right? So it's not it's not the best the best way of growing. So, do you find though that that because you're organized around lean, that people that are interested in adopting lean find you a good on ramp for it? That it's, a, it's maybe we're not going to do this all today, but we can start getting used to some of the ideas and we, and in a year or two, we can, we can think more, more deeply about a big transformation. It just feels like we, it would be a good, a good doorway for companies that are thinking about it, but aren't quite there yet. We've actually done that a lot. You know, companies that are like, oh, we're looking at this. We want to become more lean. And it's like, okay, while you're using our platform, you're going through the the step-by-step process that the last planner process is promoting. And some companies love that because they start doing it with a software from day one. So they don't have to do the, oh, the traditional spreadsheet for the last planner system that everyone is using. And then they have to change to a software. Some companies think that that's the best way to go. But in our experience, we recommend starting immediately with software that can make that process and that implementation easier and more efficient. Because it's not that you have to learn the software. You're learning a methodology. And if the software can help you implement it, then it's going to be way better than doing it with spreadsheet. Because right. there's just there's just like more collaboration. There's like faster information. There's data that you can manage. There's notifications that are going to help you to not forget things. So there's all these elements that software is bringing. Not only our software. I mean, software in general. Right. Software brings a lot of improvements in, in collaboration and communication and yeah, if you're getting into the lean journey, software is definitely going to help you ramp up faster. Yeah, I think that's great. And and there is a you know there's a general feeling that lean has something to offer. The question always is how much are we going to invest and how much bandwidth do we have? And the fact that you guys make that process a little easier is just nice. And I'm just noticing also that you know one of the things that we talked about is you you mentioned a moment ago is transitioning from where they are now. You mentioned P6, you mentioned Excel. And I think you guys have an import function, right? Like you make that transition as easy as possible and it's still new software, but you make it pretty easy to take what people have now and pull it into your system, right? Exactly, exactly. So from a vision perspective, if you're trying to transform or reshape the way that an industry is doing something, 
the first step is how can you make it easier and fast for them to transition, right? So if we were promoting a software that you have to learn from scratch and it has nothing to do with what they're doing today, that change is going to take years and it's going to be pretty painful. So for us, it was like, okay, let's just build an import. So if they're working with P6 or MS Project, they can just load it up in our platform and start working from there. And we also build the functionality so you can build your schedule from zero within our platform because it's very similar to what they're used to doing. So the change is actually not hard at all. It works very similar to what they're used to, but we're bringing so many things after that. Not only like, oh, build your schedule, but you know, you have all these other functionalities and modules that are a big value over whatever they're using today. And, and it's not only like, oh, let's just replace MS Project with P6. Like we want to take this further, right? This is the first step, building a SaaS platform that is great to work with, great usability, faster, integrated, all that stuff. But then the future is like, what do we do with all these companies that are in the platform, all this data? How can we leverage it and give them powerful insights? You'll push them data that they they won't get any other way. Like, oh, you might have a problem with this or, you know, your last five projects behave this way or be careful with this contractor. He's lowering his productivity. Like that's our long-term mission. Like how can we transform this platform that we're bringing and turn it into something of constant value that we can push everyone on the job site. So that's kind of the, the long vision. Love it. And one of the things you, you've you been kind of hinting at and talking about is all the things that surround the schedule you're able to provide. One of them that, that sticks out is analytics. Talk a little mm-hmm. bit about how you guys think about analytics and what sorts of KPIs you find people are, are using for their analytics. Yeah. T- today, we have, today we have a simple dashboard with some tabs that allow you to look at it like KPIs, like uh, the curve of progress, days of delay, days that you're behind schedule, ahead of schedule, um, some lean metrics like PPC, roadblocks removal, just things like that. And then we, we have some metrics on like productivity and like uh, resource usage. If the company is using resources, they can track some metrics. Uh, we would like to double down on our analytics value. So. This year, we have a lot of improvements that we're going to be launching in terms of of the dashboard and and company analytics, things like that. We're also thinking about partnerships with other companies that are focusing on on analytics. So this year, there's definitely going to be an improvement on the analytics side. And we want to focus on make it simple. Yeah. But, you know, giving access to a, a project manager with one click so they can see like, oh, we're going well here. Oh, we're behind on this. Oh, this trade partner is way slower than the last couple of weeks. Oh, this guy is crushing it. Uh, this guy is removing a lot of roadblocks every single day and, and just encourage those healthy habits. So the company can just have a dashboard that they can project at the beginning or at the end of their meetings and say, Oh, look at, look at this guy, you know, Hugh, he's crushing it. Or let's give a round of applause for the electrical contractor. They're crushing it. PPC over 90% every week. Just, just trying to promote that, that healthy collaboration and, and healthy competition between people in the job site just sort of to gamify what's happening on the project. We've seen other companies doing that in other industries and it works well, right? Like just to give you an example, we're using a a platform in our company that based on how much you work out and how much you walk and all those things, it gives you better access to insurance, right? To, you know, life insurance, things like that. So the company, like our, our, our team members are competing against each other to get better scores and all that. And at the end of the month, you realize that, oh, 
everyone's working out more, everyone's walking out more. So just promoting those healthy habits, we think it's super important. So the dashboard is trying to aim at something like that. And there's a lot of talk about how to build good dashboards. And I'm hearing you say some things that are really smart and, and kind of resonate. Like nobody wants to know everything all at once. So so you want to be telling a tight story where you can. Do you, do you guys find that people configure this and, and wind up looking at, you know, just a couple of things? Yeah. Like you see companies that they don't want to see many analytics. They just want to see one one graph that shows yeah. the actual versus the, the baseline, like something very simple. But we are going to keep adding information. So if they want to look at it, it's going to be there. That's yeah. the thing. If you don't want to use it, if you want to look at it, that's fine. The thing about the dashboard is that it's generating analytics. So if you if you feel like or there's a moment in time where you're having a discussion with someone on the project or a provider or the owner or whatever, and you want to look up some, some information from the past and, and do a little deep dive, then you're going to have the information available. But yeah, today, the dashboards are not customizable, to be honest. We want to get there where you can customize you know, your panels, your dashboards, and say, I want to see this one in the main page, and I don't want to see this one. We haven't got there yet, but we're definitely going to be working on that this year. That's great. And I think the industry is really ready for it. I mean, you know, it, everyone's on a different part of the journey or the path. But it's definitely the point now where people are saying platforms like Ipsum are generating all this data and, and providing these analytics. Let's get better and better at figuring out how to make decisions that they give us the ability to decide from. The big challenge there is, I mean, our dashboard, you know, it's great and whatever, but it's not going to be the only point of information that they're going to access. Today, a lot of companies, they have dashboards that are bringing data from a whole bunch of different pieces of software. So um, that's also going to be important. We have our API and we can push data to those dashboards. Like companies need like a central point of information when they can see information of cost, of quality, of schedule, RFIs, like, you know, BIM models, whatever. And I've seen a lot of companies building that. So we also, we, we're also very aware of that and we want to send as much information as we can to, you know, those dashboards. Like we, we don't want to make our dashboard like a separate piece of information. Yeah, that makes sense. No, integration is definitely critical for companies in today's environment. Exactly. So, Franco, let's end with where you see all this going. You hinted at some ideas before, but let's end with where you see Ipsum going in the future. Sure. So this is going to sound maybe, um, I don't know, ambitious or sometimes people would say you're, you're cocky or whatever. We respect everyone in the industry, competitors, you know, legacy players, like, we're no one to say, oh, you're good or you're bad. We do feel like we have a great opportunity of becoming the standard solution for the industry when it comes to scheduling and planning. We want to become the standard. Uh, we want to become a key player, not only in the U.S., but worldwide. And we just want to build the best damn platform we can when it comes to scheduling and planning. Like, we, we don't want to expand the reach. We're not going to get into quality. We're not going to get into other stuff. We're just going to keep improving what we're doing adding more functionalities to make it easier, adding more points of connection, adding more integrations, and just make it easier, faster, better every time we can. You know, adding more analytics, adding company dashboard, bringing the 3D models. There's so many things that we, we can still be doing. Uh, but the long-term vision is become the standard for scheduling and planning. That's a fantastic vision. I like your focus and your sense that there's a lot to be mined just in where you are now. 
Well, a lot to be done. A lot to be done. Even if you look at, we we're talking with a customer the other day, like if you're doing linear projects, most of the companies are going to Telos or they're using some other piece of software. And that's another space where we can improve our software and make it better. You know, linear planning, tag time planning. There's so many things that you can improve, especially if you want to become the standard for the whole scheduling planning process. There's so many things to do yet. Love it. Well, listen, Franco, thank you for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed hearing your perspective on scheduling and lean and of course your product. So thanks for, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Hugh.